left center, deep, gone, Brewers lead it. And a swing and a miss, he struck him out. Down the line, and that's the ball game. Hey, Brewers fans, welcome to another beautiful episode of Brewers Unfiltered. I'm joined by baseball dingus and life genius Adam McAlvey in what appears to be a wild bush man <laughs> who has joined our Zoom chat. Here's where we um, need video, Brad. I, it, yeah, so we're an audio medium, but there's a man in our screen that says Tim Dillard. Yeah. He is wearing a silence jacket. Mm-hmm. But where he's normally has this smooth, slicked back hair, it's very disheveled. And uh, this is morning know. dim. <laughs> this is morning <laughs> dim. This is how I walk around my house. I'm home right now, and I, I just wear my Nashville Sounds bullpen jacket just all the time. I thought so, it was like last week of the regular season dim, where you're like just crawling to the finish line. And you don't have time to yeah. groom yourself. <laughs> But I'm like that opening day. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, yeah. Never mind. See, what I do is right now my hair is also awful. It's it's just miserable, pointing in eight different directions. You're in a brewer's hat, but though. I put a cap hat. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the secret. You just you don't have to put any effort in. You just put a cap. Yeah, because this took effort. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that's missing from me and how I woke up is the bed I was on. That's it. This is it. Yeah, if we do one of these podcasts and we they're like your microphone is hanging over your bed. I think I'm going to log off for that episode and let you guys do it. <laughs> you guys can handle that one. Oh, that was my next, that was my future plan. <laughs> no, no, that's too comfortable. We need to be in our home offices. Yeah. We need to be comfortable. We need to be, you know, cool. We can't be too toasty in our covers. Toasty like the brewers are right now who had a red hot week last weekend. A big series. They took three of four in Cincy, gained some ground in a playoff race. They're now one and a half out, which is actually like two and a half out, but really because it's a half game, maybe two games. It's very confusing, yeah. D- yeah, what is, is it, it math. two and a half or is it two? It's I don't know how. Technically, it's two depending on the result of the half game. <laughs> so because they cannot. That, yeah, that cleared it up. Thanks, Brad. They can't tie, right? Yeah, yeah, I know that. If they tie, they lose. The, yeah. yeah, they have to. They don't have to catch the Phillies. They have to pass the Phillies. So, be- and that's who we're talking about. We're not talking about the Padres anymore. The three back of the Padres. That's not happening in nine days. Hey, it could still happen. The Brewers could be playing the Braves in the wild card, <laughs> or the Mets. That's the only like interesting division left in baseball, <laughs> because they're a game out. And everyone else, all but three teams have been eliminated from playoff contention for, or sorry, division contention. So it's, uh, you know, the end of the year. Things are getting tight, less exciting. And the Brewers happen to be one of the most exciting playoff races in the league right now. But, uh, yeah, the, the Padres kind of pulled out, especially with that loss on Sunday. So the Phillies are the most obtainable. That's the target. However, they do have some easy, easy competition coming up. But I'm making a face crew, at you when, when you say that because I don't. I disagree. Who has it easy? The Phillies or the Brewers? Uh, the Phillies. Oh. It's the Nationals and the Cubs, I think, to close things well, out. Well, but I mean, Astros. look. Yeah, Brett, this is baseball. Weird. Baseball is weird. Like the Brewers downhill started on a road trip to Pittsburgh and. 
Well, then home against Cincinnati. Like you, you can't. I don't think you can do that in baseball. The easy, hard stuff. The diamond or the yeah, the Diamondbacks who the Brewers finish with are still sub. Are they still sub five hundred? But I mean, it's like this young, hungry club. Listen, I'm just trying to fight you. Read the Twitter comments, okay? I, I am representing the voice of the people, Adam. I see. Okay. Well, just the Phillies finish at Chicago, at Washington, at Houston. There's a doubleheader in there in Washington, I think, on Saturday. So that's where that half game comes from. So the Phillies have 10 games left. The Brewers have nine. Um, so, I mean. <laughs> and all of the Phillies games are on the road? All of the Phillies games are on the road, yes. And all the Brewers games are at home. And all the Padres games are on the road, too, for, for that matter. Well, you know what? Twins, great first baseman, Lou Collins, said, hey, this is baseball. Anything could happen. Mm. So Wise words. Thinking of how true that is, I think of some of the crazier playoff races. I mean, even the Crew's wildcard appearance in 2008, you know, came down to watching a team lose in the stadium as the Mets played the Marlins back in the day when teams didn't all finish relatively at the same time. Uh, you look at the 2011 Cardinals who kicked the Brewers out of the playoffs. They were, what, eight games out before they went on a run and ended up making it in the playoffs. They Crazy things happen. It was what That's makes when, postseason uh, baseball fun. Nigel Morgan famously called Albert Pujols Alberta, and it didn't go over very well <laughs> with the Cardinals. And Ryan Braun has told me, like, the theory in the Brewers' clubhouse is, like, that woke the Cardinals up, unfortunately, and it wasn't, wasn't the best thing that ever happened. But uh, weird things happen. You're right. As important as T-plush was. Yes. He was he might also have done a major one, detriment. <laughs> one, wrong, one thing that maybe they'd want to take back a little bit. All right. Tim, weren't you teammates? Did, did that carry over to the bullpen? Yeah, I mean, that's the first time I'd heard that it would have affected the clubhouse. I don't... Bullpen was fine, I guess, for the most part. And yeah, I was locker mates with T plush. That sounds dangerous. <laughs> I was trying to help him. I was trying to help him on Twitter. I didn't have Twitter and I saw how he was using Twitter and I was like, man, I don't know much about this, but I don't think you should press tweet on what you have written down. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad you weren't in the there, voice in his head. <laughs> Too bad Too bad you couldn't create like a Creed Thoughts. <laughs> forward slash Word dot yeah. for him oh it was <laughs> hilarious but i was just like i don't know what you're going for here but i don't know remember his cat remember he got oh a cat? yeah uh yeah. mr uh oh gosh we're gonna have to like edit this back in later because i'm gonna think of it halfway through the mr not mr peepers but mr uh meepers ah. Bigglesworth. <laughs> come mrs bigglesworth <laughs> all right yeah. well adam's very close to the cat's name mm-hmm and the Brewers have played a ton of close games. How fitting is it, Adam, that the playoff race is really coming down to the wire? Yes, what probably what we thought. Um, but we, I think we thought it would be for the division, right? We thought the Brewers and Cardinals might go down to the end. I think that's that, that kind of was my expectation. Um, Slick Willie was the name of Nigel Morgan's cat. Slick <laughs> Willie, I got it. Google helped me. Slick Willie, oh my God, that was so funny. I forgot about that. Mr. Peepers. So now I can like, um, no, no, I think it is. Look, I mean, always in baseball, something, some race comes down to the end. I would agree with you, Brad, that this year, probably there's fewer races up for grabs than probably they expected when they implemented this new system with the extra teams. Um, 
it's just the way it's worked out this year. Other years, you know, game 163 day is like, or game 162 day is this like epic thing where they change it now to where all the games start at once. And sometimes there's like, you know, eight games that matter this year. It's looking like it might be a little different. Um, but look, the theory, there is a theory of baseball <laughs> that says just get in because to some MLBs, I've probably said this exact same way on previous pods, but like MLBs postseason can be this big lottery where who knows what's going to happen. And sometimes the best team wins and a lot of times it doesn't. And I think we've seen that, especially in the wild card era where a team that has to push, push, push to get in can do some damage in the postseason. So that's the, as Craig Council has, I think, said, like, just they're just trying to give themselves a chance. And they've played well enough in the last, uh, you know, what, week, 10 days to give themselves a chance on this, to make this final homestand meaningful. And now they have a chance to give themselves three more meaningful games. Probably, it looks like, in St. Louis in a wild card series. So that's kind of the goal of the, this last homestand. Yeah, Tim, I feel like baseball seasons kind of go on like a singular theme. And this one just seems to be, for the Brewers, close. You know, everything's close. All wins are close. And, of course, the playoff race, as we talked about, is close. Like, how do you kind of manage when you're a player, like, dealing with all that tightened stress? I mean, you're stressed out by the end of this season. Like, everything's been on the wire. So, kind of, how do you manage dealing with this last round of stress how do you stay loose yeah i'm always stressed clearly you can just see me <laughs> when i'm broadcasting or whatever i'm stressed right now um but you look back at all the games that they've played this year they're 26 and 21 in one run ball games that's 47 games that's nearly a third of the games that they've played this year or will play um that's it, that's an incredible amount but i i think as a player i think as a coach you start thinking about that Especially when it comes down to the wire, you start missing stuff by one game. Um, you start thinking back to, man, remember that game we lost, uh, you know, for this reason. Maybe we, and I know, I know players do it. I know players will be like, man, that one game where I should have done this. or um, And so then it makes me look at extra innings, extra innings, losses and wins. They're eight and eight. So you start thinking about those eight extra innings where some of those they could have easily, you know, have gotten a guy over from, you know, the ghost runner, Manfred's ghost runner at second. They could have gotten him over to third and got a run in and just kind of won the game. So I think coaches are starting to think, man, what could we have done different? And that's when you need to start writing down notes for 2023. Hey, these games matter all the way back to May, uh, June, April. All these matter. You start looking at the Phillies games uh, that they lost um, at home, uh, that, that, those are a big one. Those are big. They lost three. So that's why they have to, you know, outscore or outwin the Phillies rather than just tie. So I think as a player, you start looking back a little bit and then you realize, you know what, it's all in the past. Can't do anything with it. It's all about what you're going to do forward, but you do have to reflect a little bit because it forces you to do that. Brad, I was actually, you know, you brought up the, the one run games and I, I was thinking about that too. How many blow how, baseball reference when you look on their schedule, it has one run games and then blowout games. And for them, that's five or more runs. How many blowout games, wins or losses that were decided by five or more runs. Do you guys think the Brewers have played without looking? Uh, I'd say like four, I'd say <laughs> seven. So like in, and one run. So one run games, Tim said it, it's 47 games, blowout games, 36, 36. 
Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. 36. That was close. 36 of their games have been decided by five or more runs. So 47 have been decided by one run, which is like, I think sounds about right for how close so, so, so much of the season has felt. Yeah, they're 17 and 19 in games decided by five or more runs, which is uh, surprising. I don't know. It just, I, I maybe, I don't know what it says. Probably just that the season's really long and there's, <laughs> there's lots of games. <laughs> so you, when, when a storyline starts, it's easy to kind of like, Oh, what what is that called? Confirmation bias or something? Yeah, where it feels like every every it feels like every game is a nail biter for this team. Like every everything yeah. every month has been a nail biter. Every homestand, like every trip, every everything seems close. And um, and nothing's felt comfortable. Like no, you know, last year you get an eight run lead and you're like everything's good. This year you get a five run lead in Colorado and you're like, dear God, please don't take Brandon Woodruff out. And then <laughs> five don't runs get later, me started. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know one thing too is some of these teams are scary. I mean, you look at the Padres. All they got to do is once they get in. I mean, they got Snell and Darvish and Musgrove and some of those guys swinging bats in a in a hitter friendly ballpark. Um, I, I mean, you got to watch out. Brewers the same way. If they if they can scrape into the playoffs, you're facing Woodruff. You're facing Burns. I mean, the, we're talking about dominant dominant pitchers. Um, so yeah, it, I think it's anybody's game once they get in. I think some of the teams that are going to be played in the first round are probably like, um, I'm not really too thrilled about this. Honestly, they do get home field advantage, but um, I mean, I, it's going to be a tough. It, the playoffs are going to be good either way. Right. Brewers don't actually control their own destiny, right? Like they don't play the opponents that are ahead of them. They just need to win. Craig said it a bunch of times. And then they need help from the Cubs, the Nationals, the Astros, as we talked about with Philly. Tim, what is the mentality like when you have to win but at the same time there's a scoreboard in left field telling you the results of the games like how do you kind of keep that all together as a player i mean they're professionals they're they're gonna watch because they can at times but they're not gonna dig too deep in it they gotta i think they always feel like they have to win as a player you always felt like hey we're supposed to win like there's always that pressure there of course you know if they don't win then suddenly they're going home (laughs) you know, in the first week of October. So they probably don't want that. Um, so yes, there is some pressure, but the, the best way to alleviate that, I think, is just scoring early. Someone has to step up, do something big, and the pitchers just need to keep runs off the board while it's, you know, early. I, I think that right there is the breath of fresh air everyone needs. Score a bunch of runs early, and then you sit there, and ugh, then you can relax and enjoy the game more. When it's going to be nail-biting every inning for seven, eight, nine innings, I mean, you're going to be wound up. It's stressful. It gets stressful there at the end when you're like, you know, oh, no, it's so close of a game. So hoping the Brewers just come out and just dominate early, and uh, then they can kind of just have fun the rest of the way. I think what really they need to do is to loosen up to like not feel pressure let's take on adam in the game of table tennis Ooh, i want to do that right adam yeah i've been dying to pick up one of those paddles although one time in cleveland there's a room like right off the kind of in the top i think it's like in the tunnel from the clubhouse to the dugout there's like a little storage room and they had a ping pong table in there and i got to play Corey hart once and i thought okay i i, I like i can play i, I can take him and it was so bad. He just destroyed me. And J.J. Hardy just destroyed me. 
because these guys are real athletes and I am not very not. <laughs> I'm always um, fascinated by this time of year because there's always the player who says, I don't know what the standings say. Hunter Renfro, I'm, I'm doing a little Southern twang because Hunter Renfro said this uh, in Cincinnati where he's like, I don't know. One day we'll walk in and then maybe there'll be champagne on the floor and then we'll know what happened. And it's like, <laughs> I, I mean, maybe that's his. I actually believe him. I believe him. <laughs> I <laughs> don't know if I believe the players who say they're not watching the scoreboard. They're not watching because like, this is the time of year you play for. I mean, I think Brandon Woodruff articulated that so cool on the last homestand where he's like, I love September baseball. This is why you play this game. And now there's this little cool in the air. I mean, it feels really like kind of postseason um, atmosphere. And I think that's great. And I think the Brewers should try really hard to not let the Cardinals win either of these games, both because the Brewers need the victories. And I really don't think they want the Cardinals tearing apart the visitors clubhouse. I remember this sounds like petty and dumb and like these guys are, but I remember when the Brewers trashed the Cardinals clubhouse in 18, was it where they or 19, one of those years they, they clinched the, it was 18. They clinched the postseason when who was it that stumbled around third base for the Cardinals and the Brewers clinched the postseason with this like great win in St. Louis? They they like spilled so much champagne and beer in the visitors' clubhouse at Bush Stadium and loved it because it was the Cardinals, a team that they had really been chasing for so many years. And then they clinched the division at Wrigley, obviously in 163, and it felt really good, I think, to trash the carpeting at Wrigley Field too. So I think that. Um, the, for, for Phil Rosowitz's sake, who runs the visitors' clubhouse over there, the, the Brewers should try to win and avoid uh, Phil having to invest in new carpeting. Yeah. So you're saying people, so, playoff teams hate carpet. That's all. Yeah, they just That's like to destroy carpet. Yeah. How much, look at how this, much champagne look at this and carpet. beer can we? I can't stand this carpet. <laughs> yeah. So in order to avoid that, the Brewers need to win at least one game. The Brewers met her the elimination no. number slash the Cardinals magic number is three. I'm going to fight you again, Brad, because if the Cardinals win either of those games, they win the division because of the tiebreaker. Yeah. So if the Cardinals, uh, because the Cardinals will win, the, the Cardinals are uh, nine. The Brewers are eight and nine against the Cardinals. So if they lose one of these games, the Cardinals win the season series. And that gets you that. So the elimination number gets tricky because of these new rules about you can't tie. Basically. So you can't lose because if you lose, the Cardinals clinch on defense. If the Cardinals win either of these games, they will make a big mess in Phil Rosowitz's clubhouse. Tricky, tricky. And maybe tricky. slide down the slide. Didn't they do that years and years ago where they snuck up? The Cardinals clinched something here and they snuck up and slid down Bernie's side and it was I'm a big stand scandal. in front of it with a bat. Yeah, well, that's a little much. <laughs> Brad's going to be throwing like thumbtacks down the Can slide. Can you imagine Bernie <laughs> up there with like nunchucks and Trying to like defend. defend. <laughs> if you defend. defend the top of the ladder, I think that's a very defensible. It position. is it, it, having been, finally been up there. That is a very defensible position. That's a great call. Brad. Yep. Maybe I'll let like one or two of them up, but then the rest, no way. All right. Realistically, nine games left. How many wins do they need, Adam? Well, I did my handy dandy uh, matrix again. To, you know, so oh, no, There's so many numbers. <laughs> Brewers have nine games left. Phillies mm -hmm. have 10. The Brewers are two okay. back in the loss column. They cannot tie. Oh. They need to pass the Phillies. So no test. if the Brewers go, let's say, let's suppose 
At minimum, the Brewers need to have a winning final homestand to make the postseason. If the Brewers go five and four, the Phillies can go four and six and still win it. If the Brewers go six and three, the Phillies can go five hundred, five and five. If the Brewers go seven and two, the Phillies can go six and four. If the Brewers go eight and one, the Phillies can go seven and three. If the Brewers win all of their remaining games, the Phillies can go eight and two and still win that final wild card. And at that point, you figure maybe the Padres are in play. So maybe that starts to, you know, I'm just doing head to head. So, you know, they need to win. So look, how many? I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go just six and three for the Brewers. And then the Tim, Phillies go 500. Your... And, yeah. Oh, all right. Tim, what's your number? Uh, I didn't have one. I'm not going to lie. I didn't. No, you don't have the matrix? I didn't do any calculations. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't need a, you don't no. need, what's, what's your gut tell you about how many of the nine games they need to win? Um, I, I would probably say seven. I think seven is, is going to put them in the, I mean, but I don't know. As a player, you're not really thinking, all right, guys, we got to go. Because just do that at the beginning of the year. Okay, guys, if we win 150 games, we're going to make playoffs. <laughs> like, So what you're saying is they should have done this at the beginning of the year. How many? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just be your goal for 162. Why is that hard? Just do that. No, I don't know. Pro- I would say seven. If they win seven, I think they can be proud of what they did and how they finished. Uh, seven is the number, I think. I think that's right. I know I just said six, but I then the, I said Phillies go 500. Seven, six, six is the good chance, right? Seven's the like. Seven is a good number. The Yeah. Seven. I wish that they had won Sunday because coming into this Cardinal series, the division race would actually be a little too interesting, I think, for the Cardinals. Where would it be likely that the Brewers could make the division? No, that's a near impossibility. But if the Brewers swept the series, they'd be, what, three and a half, two and a half out? And it'd make that division race very interesting in a way that I think no one would anticipate. And I just won that drama a little bit. My number, anyway, after I diverged, I bought myself time because I'm deciding between six and seven. I think seven is like the lock and six is good, right? Six, you definitely need some help, but the Phillies are three and seven in their last 10 games. So they're not playing great baseball right now. And as we said, they finish on the road. So, yeah. All right. Hey, can I, before we get away from, before I get away from this, what do you think the reaction is going to be for Pujols and Molina tonight? I think, I think for Pujols, I think the fans, despite disliking Pujols, I think they respect him. I think they understand what he's achieved in his career. And I think they respect him. Yachty? I don't know if the <laughs> same is true for Yachty. <laughs> I think fans respect him, but I think there's still... I mean, I think the benefit with Pujols is he got like a seven-year break in mm-hmm. there, right? From being a pain in the butt. Whereas Yachty has been around the whole time. Yeah. The whole time? Yeah. That's a good so, point. I, I hope they... I, I, I hope, you know... I mean, th- there has been no love loss. I understand that. I really hope those guys get an ovation. I hope they get a standing ovation. Like you got to respect the longevity. The you can dislike the player and still respect the career. And I guess I hope that's what happens tonight. Isn't a boo a sign of respect? Really? Yeah, Ryan Braun used to love the boos. Nobody likes boos. Come on. Well, he used to say he liked the boos. <laughs> I think. <laughs> and you said I think Yelich might genuinely enjoy getting booed at Wrigley. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he thinks it's funny at this point. Like I don't know if he liked it initially, but I think now he does find it amusing. I think what he doesn't like, like is how intensely personal it gets. 
because he's mentioned that before. Oh, it, no, in the outfield, yes. Like, yeah. in the outfield, I know he dislikes that. But I think, like, coming to the plate booze. Yeah. Um, I know all of them do not like the outfield and how uh, close to the cuff fans can make it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, just go to Philly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get booed in Philly, and I'm up in the press box eating a cheesesteak and some Turkey Hill. Yummy. Yeah, well, Ooh, that's because the Turkey yeah. Hill, you know. <laughs> All right, we need to take another break, but when we return, we'll chat about Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer, and guess what, guys? Trivia, oh, good God. Moment. Are we really doing trivia Trivia's again? back. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's baseball trivia, though. Okay, good. Oh. So stay tuned for baseball trivia and these guys suffering. Yeah. All right, we're back. It's time for another week of trivia. I just spent the commercial break talking these guys into being somewhat more confident because really hopes are low. The, the, the clubhouse inside the Zoom room, emotions are low. We had a team meeting. But Aaron Judge chasing Roger Maris for the AL record, Pools entering the 700 club. We figured what's better than some home run theme trivia? Get some baseball trivia back on the board. You get a point if you get it right. Your opponent can steal if you get it wrong. Adam leads Tim 5-4 to four in the season series. Guys, I know you're not ready. No. But we're going to get started anyway. Adam, there are 28 members of the 500 Home Run Club. Okay. Which active player is the closest to joining and becoming number 29? Hmm. Joey Votto, Nelson Cruz, Giancarlo Stanton, or Justin Upton? Again. Joey Votto. <laughs> yeah. Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz at 459 is the closest to joining the 500 club. Adam is 6-4 and four on the season. Stanton Woo. follows Cruz at 375, then unlisted Mike Trout at 347, and Joey Votto's 342. Justin Upton has 325. Miguel Cabrera, most recent member of the 500 club. He currently sits at 506. Joey Votto up in the stands was good social media content for the Reds, wasn't it, Bradley? Yes, very jealous, but also happy <laughs> that our star player is not injured and is on the field. So hmm, That's a good point. Uh, if my season was done, that'd be great. It, since the season is not done, I want my players on the field. Yep. Good point. All right, Tim. What's that? Got to get back in this thing. Okay. And lead six to four. There might only be one more season trivia left. Pools is the active leader in both home runs and grand slams. But who is the all-time leader in grand slams? Barry Bonds, Manny Ramirez, Lou Gehrig, or Alex Rodriguez? Manny Ramirez. Adam, how do you feel ah. about doubling up right here? <laughs> wow. Actually, I, I think Adam oh, felt right. Adam, we we discussed this in Boston, I believe. So you might. Do you know what? I was just oh, saying. Oh, like, it sounds like these we, are loaded questions. You, <laughs> didn't you know we who was it? The problem Boston? is I don't remember what we discovered. No, this actually, you know who'd be murdering ah. you guys right now is Todd. He, Todd Rosiak Muck had guy. this one no problem. So. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez has 25 career Grand Slams, followed by Lou Gehrig at 23, followed by Ramirez third at 21. Bonds only has 11. Pools is the active leader with 16. And Adam, 
Seven to four. Wow. I mean, that was obviously my second guess, but the, I get a little. I, I will actually put a little asterisk on that oh. one because I oh. do. Now that we say it, I, I I'm just going to be honest here, Tim. I'm going to be honest. I'll give myself a half point. <laughs> yeah, because we literally can't we end were in a tie. Like, We've already gone over playoff so, structure. Quick, quick anecdote time. Yep. <laughs> My wife was struggling with the career home run leader, had four letters in her crossword puzzle, and of course, and her career grand slam hitter. And and she texted me in Boston because anytime she gets stuck on a crossword puzzle in Boston or uh, in baseball, she texts me. So I asked the booth in Boston, you know, Mike Vasallo, Todd Rosiak, Adam, and I put our heads together. And we get this answer. Yeah. So the answer well, was we put pro- our heads together and looked it up. <laughs> yeah. No, Todd Whatever. actually had it right. Todd <laughs> needed oh, okay. no help. Then I looked it up because we weren't sure. <laughs> Boston had great press box snacks. They had little the Duncan uh, donut holes Ooh. in the morning or like when we first Wicked got awesome. there. They had Duncan. those. What are those? Uh, those water ice thing. Well, that's Philly, but like this little like slushy thing. There were slushies. Remember that one, Brad? The guy back there making like snow oh, cones. Oh yeah, basically? that was right. One game they had like the, the it was like a specialty vendor came up and made snow cones. <laughs> yeah, then it was this Boston. I, I it was like one was watermelon. It was so good. And then they had pizza one day. Yeah, they had great press box snacks. Yeah, bonus points. This to is awesome, up. y'all. Just reminiscing about your time together. Yeah, it was it was great, Tim. I wasn't there. Yeah, Tim, you should uh, really join us. All right, the Brewers pitching staff. <laughs> Tim, you would have loved it. Anyway, (laughs) the Brewers pitching staff, it's getting healthier. Not fully healthy, but they have Peralta. They have Lauer. They have Ashby all back. Still unlimited pitches. I think Lauer probably least of all. Mm -hmm. Tim, you're the pitching guru here. Any takeaways on their appearances over the last week? Um, Freddie's... Velo was good. He got up to 97, and it was consistent through his few innings. Um, he only threw six sliders. I think he feels more comfortable with the curveball. Curveball's filthy. Um, so, yeah, I would go with Freddie's stuff was really good. But, you know, I can I just throw something that's kind of a, on this topic but not sort of? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what I would do with these final nine games. And I don't know behind-the-scenes stuff. I'd have I don't know, but... I would have Hauser, Woodruff, Burns, and Lauer as my starters. I would just have four. I would put Freddie in the bullpen. I'd put Ashby in the bullpen. And I'd probably put Freddie as my eight, seven or eight inning guy right now. Because I think that's how he pitched the other day of just doing whatever he can to not give up a run. I think he has this mentality about him. Uh, and when he's healthy and good, and he can do that for you know five, six, seven innings. Right now, he doesn't have it built up. If he can only go two or three innings of just shut down baseball, then put him in the bullpen because I think he can do that. So uh, probably he could do that better than I would. I wouldn't put Hauser in the pen. I wouldn't put Lauer in the pen. But I think right now, if you want to do an over-encompassing, like let's get this team together and win some of these games, um, you got to have Woodruff on the mound as many times as possible. Uh, to me, that's, that's what you have to do. It, to have a five-man rotation right now wouldn't serve a purpose, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't know. Do you that, think that he needs to start all nine games? Do what? Do you think he needs to start all nine games? I don't think he can physically <laughs> do that, Brad. I know you're making fun of me. <laughs> I know he'll. Get, I'm not making fun of you. I'm just two. making. I just. I, I mean, if you now's the time. It's it's just the time. You have to do something extra. 
you got to think outside the box a little bit because clearly whatever the cookie cutter thing that maybe they thought they've been doing all season long got them to this point. So now it's time to do something extra. Um, and you got to work with what you have at this point and what works the best. So I wouldn't be surprised um, if you didn't see somebody come out of the bullpen that's been starting most of the year. My guess would probably be an Ashby for sure um, and probably a Freddie. That is, to me, this is one of the most interesting parts of being a manager at this or a coach at this time of year is you, you do need to do a little extra. You need to just kind of throw um, what you did to get through 162 games in 178 days or whatever the number is, 180 days out the window and just win every day. At the same time, you can't like, like, I'm making a clenched fist and like yeah, a face season. for and everyone. A, and a noise. Like you can't do that. You can't play baseball. Oh like yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. And a noise, which maybe they heard you can't, you can't play baseball successfully like that. And I, I, the balance between those two is so interesting to me and the teams. That's why like, that's why I've always felt after watching the Brewers kind of emerge from those, all those bad years to become a winning team that taught me that you need to learn how to win. Teams need to learn how to win. And I think we saw that with like the Fielder Braun Weeks Heart Brewers, where they, they they had to get over those sort of 06, 07 before they kind of became a winner. So now this group is a little different. It's this mix of like players who've been there. Hunter Renfro, Willie Adamas have played in the World Series. Um, Christian Yelich, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns have been part of all of these consecutive Brewers postseason teams. But then you do have some guys who don't have that experience that are in it now. Um, and, and it's kind of an interesting mix, I think. And I, I don't have the answer. I'm just making a point. Like I find this to be one of the most fascinating things about baseball. Like some teams, some managers have a way of like bringing out the best in their players at this time. And it's this kind of magical dusty Bakerish kind of thing that is kind of cool to me about baseball. And Brian Snitker last year was a great example with the Braves of pulling that team together at the exact right time. So I love Tim's idea. Um, I think Lauer at 66 pitches, you, as far as Brad, where we started the takeaway, Lauer after missing some time, I mean, that's a pretty heavy load, 66 pitches after no rehab appearances, facing no hitters. That's just coming off a couple of bullpens. Um, so I think that's uh, that's a big one, and, and I, w- I would start him. Um, I don't know if I would pitch Freddie in the eighth, but I do think that if you go with four, say you go with four starters because those are the guys that are built up a little bit more. And then you follow with like an Ashby, like they did the other day. Um, or if you want a Freddie, um, you can get out, you know, it's a race to 27 outs now for the next nine games. And, and that is a kind of an interesting idea. And look, Adrian Hauser has certainly not had the year he wanted and he's been more up and down where last year he was way more steady and way more productive for them, but he's a Cardinal killer. And I think he's not a, you know, he's a, he's a good guy to have on the mound um, tonight at 289 ERA and 56 career innings against the Cardinals. So he's fared well against them. So for whatever reason, it's, it's been a good matchup and it's not a bad guy to have on the mound uh, for this first game. Well, I think also too, if it's a make or break moment and a guy goes out there and he clearly doesn't have it in the first or second inning, make a change, you, you got to make a change. And what are you going to do? Bring in your whole entire bullpen to get through one game, knowing they got to pitch uh, you know, the next day. So I think you have to, uh, it would be negligent to not have two or three long guys, at least two guys that are, can easily eat up three innings um, right out of the gate. 
Like you, you have, they have to be sitting down there with the mentality. You're the first one up if this goes sideways. Um, because anything else would be like, oh, oh, we got caught with our pants down. You know, like you don't want that. You got to pull out all the stops. They use those cliches all the time. And that's what it means. It means having guys that would be sitting in the dugout just kind of clapping with their sweatshirt on. They're down in the bullpen getting locked in just in case. And I think that kind of puts everyone in a good place all over the field. Be like, dude, did you see who went to the bullpen? Like, this is for real. And we're playing to win. And I don't. I think I've only seen that a little bit in the last couple of weeks. And it was the other day when uh, when Council was made two good moves. He took out, what was it, Lauer and put in Perdomo. Um, that was a filthy move. Perdomo was awesome. And, and then uh, at the end, when they took out Matt Bush and put in Williams for a four-out save. That right there is about the only time I've seen where Council's like, hey, we're going to win this, and we're going to make these moves. Yeah. These were the tough calls, and we're making the calls. And um, I think they need more of that. Yeah, it makes you wonder like what this team would be like if they had uh, the full 40-man roster like that used to be in September. Because this could be a group that would benefit from that. Because like you know, Matt Bush gives up the homer that was pitching for the third time in the four game series, um, so you know you, you you can say put the pedal to the metal and these guys do want to do that and it's the time of year to do that. But when it affects performance, then it obviously works against you. So um, I don't know. It'd be interesting, but that's not the situation. So they have to just go with twenty. I think getting one guy we've not talked about a lot. I think Trevor Gott could be a little X factor for this final week because. There were points of this year where he was pitching big innings for them and sort of like ability to get out of tough spots. And he's a kind of a sneaky piece, I think, that makes the bullpen a little bit better down the stretch. I think they had to, you know, I think Perdomo being hurt with a calf injury. I mean, I don't know if that's really what happened or they just had to make a spot for Freddie. But, I mean, that's that hurts as a I'm just looking as a bullpen guy. It's like, dude, congratulations. You got a W. You just carried this team when they needed you right in that moment. Now you're done. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe he is hurt. Maybe it's worse than we thought. I have no idea. I, don't, I haven't heard anybody really ask about you know, that whole situation. But he was nails. And the stuff he was doing, he was dominating on very few pitches. Uh, and he's been doing it all year for the most part. There was a stretch where they only had six wins or the last six wins they had. Woodruff had three of them and Perdomo had two of them. So you start talking about, yes, they would have benefited from having Johnny Allstaff with a 40-man roster. The Brewers um, could have used that. But then uh, the regulation only having 14 pitchers, that's just weird. So anyway. Well, it's to prevent games from being four hours long with, with you know 12 pitchers appearing in a game. Yeah, but when you have guys having to throw three out of four days, yeah, because but that, I mean, yeah, that was the yeah. trade-off. That that was the that was the trade-off. Doug Melvin's idea for years was still have the forty man, like you can call anybody up, but each day you have to designate whatever number you want it to be. So whether it's twenty, well, it's twenty-eight, maybe it's twenty-six on a day, you have to designate who's available, and that's one sort of compromise. That I don't. know, That's what Doug Melvin always pitched it. GM yeah. meetings and owners. That's meetings. like that's like winter ball. <laughs> you're sitting yeah. in the bullpen and you see all these guys and you're like, hey, what's up? What's up? And the next day, like <laughs> all of those guys four are new gone. Guys. <laughs> it's like four or five new dudes. You're like, how is this legal? But hey, it's great baseball because everyone's out there fresh and effective. So I don't know. We, we're not going to cure anything on this podcast. <laughs> all right. Well, the guys aren't on the roster because, and right now they're down in Nashville and they just had a champagne party. Yeah. Tim, what's a playoff like environment like in AAA? I mean, you can talk to us. You know, I did play there. Yeah. Yeah. 
I played there for 12 or 13 years and, and made it twice, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do the math. I couldn't remember any other time. 2007, um, we had an awesome club down in Nashville. That's why I'm wearing this bullpen jacket. Nashville sounds, go sounds. Smells like, I mean, it smells like red hot and <laughs> all sorts of stuff. Probably some legal stuff. So probably some illegal stuff. Um, I, it's, it's intense because on one level you're like, yeah, we did this, you know, and on the next level, it's like everybody is stolen. So a lot of times when things line up the way they do, it's like, congratulations, you made playoffs, but you're gonna have to do it with a whole new set of people. Yeah. In 2007, <laughs> we were playing in New Orleans. We had R.E. Dickey, the knuckleballer, and they called up both of our catchers. Mike Rivera, if you remember Mikey, he was the guy that was catching Dickey mostly. Called him up, which is great for him. It's just bad for us because we had an A-ball catcher trying to catch R.A. Dickey for the first time. You had Alex Hall come to, up and catching a yeah. knuckleballer. <laughs> well, you have uh, you have. Uh, we're in New Orleans, so you're thinking if you've ever been there, the plate. It's like the it's like the world's most like the backstop is so far away because they end up moving the plate up because it was too hard to hit home runs there, so they want to give hitters a chance. So there's so much room behind the plate. So every time there was a wild pitcher pass ball. Um, you know, the guy would go one, maybe two bases. So anyway, that was what happened to us in 2007. It was like, hey, y'all have fun, but we're calling up seven dudes. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, yeah. And then in 2000, I think 17, we made playoffs in Colorado Springs. We played the Memphis Redbirds. Um, O'Neill was on that team, I think. Patrick Wisdom. Um, San Martin, I think, pitched in that game. Um Anyway, we, we, I think, got three to one, up three to one on them, or two to one, or whatever it was. And then uh, we lost two in a row, I think. I can't remember how it went down. But the problem was they had Willie Peralta, and he had to keep pitching. So because they had to get him ready to go back to the big leagues, he was using as kind of a rehab thing. So they had to leave him out there on the mound, even though in any other situation, they would have taken him out and put somebody else in. So I think the idea of being in the playoffs is great. But you are definitely victim of circumstances by external means. It's a third-party issue when it comes to uh, playoffs in the minor leagues. Adam, you talked about learning to win together earlier. You talked yeah. about Weeks, Hardy, Braun, Fielder, Dillard, all coming up and learning to win together. Uh, you know, you're looking at Free, like you're looking at Weimer, Ruiz, Small, all these players, Feliciano, all these names on the top 30 prospects you know how important is it for them to get this winning experience together although it's not in the major league level they're already getting this and coming together and learning what it's like to you know get these w's on the same team yeah i think it's really important um now i've been gone a couple of days do we I, we need to figure out what's up with freelick and weimer because we haven't seen them in box scores for a little bit so we'll just put that caveat in there but um, they did coming down the stretch, win a bunch of games. Bryce Terang is in that group as well. He's had a really terrific season. Estuary Ruiz is in that group. These are guys who are going to help at the big league level next year, probably at some point. And I, I do think getting that experience and playing together is something that when you talk to uh, Rick Sweet or you talk to Tom Flanagan, the Brewers farm director, um, that they really think is important, an important part of development. And it was really important. You hear the guys from that earlier, the, the Dillard generation, you hear them talk about that all the time as something that really, really helped them when you have to trust each other in a big league pennant race. So I think that is a huge part of what's um, been happening down there. 
And, um, and look, it just looks like it's a lot of fun. I mean, Josh Lindblom is, is our guy, our little window into that team because he's so active on social media and he's shared some of their celebration. And those guys deserve to like pop champagne and, and you know, almost more than the big league guys because they're not playing with the same comforts as the big league guys. And um, to, get, to get through this really, really long season, 90 wins they're at as we sit here and talk um, is, a, is a huge accomplishment. And it sounds like they've done it in front of great crowds and that Nashville has embraced this club. And it just seems like it's just a good, a good situation all around. So it's one of the positives of this season for the organization as a whole the development of all those guys and the big steps forward that I think a lot of individual players took that are going to be a part of this Brewers team going forward. Because as we've said, the big league Brewers face some really difficult contractual decisions in the next year or two, for sure in the next two. And the players that are winning games, have been winning games at Nashville this season, are going to play a huge role in um, what happens after those decisions are made. All right, we need to take a break, but when we return, we're dishing out stats of the week, and we want to find out specifically who Tim wants to share a beer with. We'll be back in a second. And we're back for the most important time of the day, for the most important time of every episode, <laughs> for the most important time that you can imagine we're doing happening. Again? <laughs> no 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 we're dishing out oh, our stats God. of the week adam oh. adam i know you've been on the sites i know you've been looking into the deep details i know you've been digging for a mm. good nugget to mine give are us, always more surface but tim's are very deep but instead Never. mine are always like you're ruining the bit but instead of giving us one of those <laughs> okay, secret sorry. stats you found on the website, give us some anecdotal random number that you decided is important <laughs> to this team. <laughs> oh, I ruined your bit. You were coming around to a backhanded bit. Uh, no, I, um, I'll give you two because I like to stretch the rules a little bit, and hopefully I don't steal one of Tim's. Um, 458 is the Brewers' winning percentage against their remaining opponents. They're going to have to do better than that, obviously. Over these final nine games, they're eight and nine against the Cardinals, one and three against, oh, I did this backwards, eight and nine against the Cardinals, two and one against the Marlins, and one and three against the D backs. Um, here's my other number it's 583. That is their winning percentage this season at American Family Field. I think it's eighth best in baseball, home winning percentage. So that's the Brewers' advantage, literal home field advantage as they try to make this push. And, um, you know, a, a 583 clip, I don't know. That, that may be good enough to get it done. They may have to be a little better than that even. But that's uh, that they're at least in a venue that has been conducive to victories. All right. Tim, what's your stat of the week? Wow. That was actually a really good stat. I don't, hmm, mine's not you. as uh, creative as that. My stat good. of the week is 1,000. Oh. 1,000 is the RBIs that Andrew McCutcheon was able to get. Uh, now hmm. he's at 1,002. So, but at the time it was 1,000, a career milestone, um, surpassed Daryl Strawberry. He is tied with Blue Jay legend, George Bell. Mm. He's coming up on Alan Trammell, Ron Gant, Wade Boggs, and he's 13 away from Hall of Famer Rod Carew. Anyway, I just thought that was awesome. Thousand RBIs. That's a big deal. And the cool, the thing I saw in Todd Rosiak's story over the weekend that I didn't even really notice before 
McCutcheon's never had a hundred RBI season. He said that in his one of his. Uh, they were asking about it in post game. That right yeah. there is the even more impressive part because, uh, especially being an uh, MVP. Yeah, longevity yeah. and just being able to maintain that level of production. Well, and not always being the cleanup hitter, like not always being the guy to just collect RBIs. Yeah, because he hit high in the uh, Pirates order for a long time. So yeah, just a great long. Do you know his career high? Which he reached twice, mind you. 96. Correct. I just read it. I, I read. Yep. That's the stats he'll never Google. give us, Adam. All right. <laughs> uh, Tim, yeah. I hope you've been so. practicing your draft pours. Yeah. I hope you're making sure that there's not a lot of foam on top of those beers. Because oh, yeah. you're serving up brews at the tap takeover at the ballpark Thursday. What a thrill. I believe that's up, that's at, right. up at X-Golf. Is that where I'm at for real? Yeah. Oh. Well, see, they scheduled me for like right before the uh, the, the pregame show. <laughs> so sounds like I'm going to pour some brews at X-Golf, and then I have to sprint down to Nelly's Corner. Oh. Just so in other time. words, be sure to watch the pregame show the, because the you might be a little tipsy. You'll know if I was but sipping Tim's off the top. Tim's his words a little more than <laughs> usual today. Does Tim have a stain yeah. down the front of his coat? <laughs> what is in that cup next to Tim on the desk? All of this is true. All right, Tim. So the big question for you is, who out of anyone in history would you like to have a beer with? I mean, I've already had beers with Adam McAlvey, so I'm, I think yeah. I'm, I think I'm done. Uh, no, <laughs> if I can go uh, fictional, I would go Indiana Jones. Ooh. I, I think Indiana Jones would be legit. He would talk about all the crazy adventures that he had been on. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I already saw that documentary. Um, but if I had to go real life, I think I would go Steve Martin. Oh, wow. I, I feel like he has done so much across so many different things. Um, I think that would be a pretty cool one. And uh, I think he'd be funny. I think I'd laugh the entire time. I probably wouldn't say many words, but um, get a couple of drinks in him. That'd be cool. Yeah, you'd, I would want to get Steve Martin and Martin Short together because they're always so hilarious. Well, I didn't together. know we could have two. And they drink so much wine in that yeah. uh, that only murders in the building. Man, well, that's the best show. show. They're always best drinking show on expensive TV. wine. Best show yeah, on love TV. It. Turn this podcast off and go watch that show. What? Oh, All right. Amazing. <laughs> Take that out. <laughs> oh, what? Uh, that's such a good. That's such a good one. Okay, mine is. Um, okay, I'm gonna do two as well. One that has left us, and one that is very much with us. And thank goodness he is. Mickey Mantle would be super fun <laughs> to go out and have a couple of beers with. I think that would be amazing, and I would love to do it. And here's my one that is like maybe doable. I've never had a beer with Bob Euchre. Oh, yeah. And I mean, we are so fortunate to be down there in the dugout and listen to Uke tell stories. And sometimes I've said this before. Sometimes you, I look up and like the anthem singers on the field and it's like, ah, probably should get off the field right now. Uh, <laughs> but to have a beer in hand with Uke would be super fun. So uh, I've never been able to do it. And I'd like to put that on my bucket list. If I could have a beer with anybody in history, it'd be the two of you guys. Aw. Come on, bro. Be honest. <laughs> no, I'd want to get far away from you two and have it with someone cool. Uh, yeah, we're about to that point. Choose, choose your own friends off season. Yeah. Council always calls off days. Choose your own friends day. Choose your own adventure. So Dave Grohl, I think, would be a cool guy to grab a beer with. Good one. That's kind of my up there. You could talk to him about the 85 like historic bands he's been in. And, you know, yeah. just pick his brain a little bit. Super talented yeah. musician, too. Yeah. 
He's uh, from what I hear, he's pretty good. Uh, you don't go to any of his concerts. <laughs> I listen. I I don't want to get in my concert uh, conversation. So it's a. Uh, oh, is that a? Sensitive it, it'll it'll get level? into a thing, and then I'll get yelled at on Twitter, and I'm already gonna get yelled at on Twitter. So why not just let them yell at me for the normal stuff? You know. We'll save this for the next episode. We, I feel like we have something to unpack here, Brad. <laughs> yeah, what? struck a nerve. Sorry, I just I saw him in concert at the uh, at Summerfest uh, in like 2011 or 12, and just watching him shred the guitar. Like I just didn't know how good of a musician he was. You know, he's a good singer, he's a good performer, and all that. But um, it, it was pretty impressive what he was able to do. So that's a good one. I don't know if it beats Indiana Jones, but it's pretty good. I finally had a lifelong dream come true when i was four my grandparents took us to the disney parks and at mgm studio i said i'm gonna be in this indiana jones stunt spectacular oh how cool is that well when you're 27 and you can leap out of your seat and scream me when they ask for a volunteer they take you (laughs) so i got to live out my dream of being in the indiana jones stunt spectacular uh just you know couldn't be better but yeah, I'd like a beer with Harrison Ford as well. All right. The top two NL Cy Young candidates are Sandy in Miami and Zach in someplace. Arizona. That's Arizona. Uh, he's Phoenix, he's Arizona. coming around. He'll be around soon. Coming down to the wire. Who do you give the edge to, Adam? Both both Cardinals minor leaguers, right? Traded by the yeah. Cardinals. Yeah. to their current teams. God, they just grow pictures on trees. It's amazing. Uh, no, it's it's Sandy Alcantara. It's, it, don't overthink it. 220 innings, 223 ERA. He's the NL Cy Young. Dim, pitching expertise here. Yeah, going go insane. Go, going with the same thing. It's He's got five complete games. That's two more than anybody else, I think. Maybe three, I can't remember. Uh, 27 more innings than the next. Uh, at 27. I mean, that's how many games is that, right? I don't even know the math. That's like three complete games more than anybody else. So I, I, that's that's pretty amazing. It'd be hard not to give it to him because he has everything else. I think he's one strikeout away from 200. So I feel like he's checked all the boxes. Um, hard to believe anybody else could snatch that away. Last year, the you know Wheeler's argument was innings. Zach Wheeler's argument was innings over Corbin Burns. But Burns was just so historically spectacular that I think he got it. I think this year it might be a little overthinking. I don't know that any of those guys have been so dominant like like Corbin Burns' numbers were last year to take it away from Alcantara's um, just inning, the innings he's de- – the, the super high-quality innings he's delivered. Well, it, it, to me it gives a shout-out to guys like, yeah, it's okay to give up ground balls. It is. You don't have to strike out the world and win Cy Young. It, it, getting ground balls, weak contact is good is cool again. And going deep into ball games and finishing ball games is cool again. Uh, hopefully that'll kind of put that on the map. You know, just when you look at his season, even when you're looking at the advanced metrics, he really leads in every category. Whereas like Burns, yeah, he didn't lead in some of the old school categories last year, but he really led in some of those important counting categories um, or important metric categories. Sorry, not the counting categories. And so I think, yeah, Sandy, all day. Every day. and he, But you know who my Cy Young is in, in my heart? It's Adam and Tim. And that's all the time we have. Aww. Thank you, as always, for, 
Hey, one thing. Let's do news since I brought this up, Brad. Sorry, let me interrupt your outro. How dare you? I know, I know. I'm sorry, but I think I want to tie the okay. bow on this. Ooh. And it's not about Slick Willie. It's not All about right. Nigel Tell Morgan's us about fan. someone else's. But I mentioned that, that I, I, after being away for a couple of days, I'd noticed that Freelich and Weimer weren't in there. So just to not work anybody up on a beautiful Tuesday, they're fine. Tom Flanagan says they've just been resting some guys since they clinched uh, the playoff spot. And they're going to play tonight. We're Tuesday night. They're back in the lineup, and then they will be in the lineup, expected in the lineup for Nashville when they play their playoff game on Saturday, a one-game International League matchup to decide who goes to the AAA championship. How do you know this? Did you text Flanny? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I just felt bad, like, throwing that out there. These guys are not in there, so I asked him, and and that's what he said. All right. So, okay, Brad. Can I end the show now, Adam? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, now we're done. I mean, yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, Tim's my only Cy Young. Screw Adam. King interruption over there. (laughs) It's all the time we have. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow our host, Tim Dillard, at Dim Tillard on Twitter and Instagram, and watch him on the Bally pre- and post-game show. Of course, make sure you're following the Brewers on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Oh, and I guess Adam. You can look for Adam at Adam McAlvey on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Do you notice I'm sitting here quietly, not saying anything? (laughs) And read his articles on Brewers.com. We'll see you next week.